I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino. He's good. In the heat of battle, he don't miss. No. In the heat of controversy, he don't miss. No. Welcome into the Double Dribble Podcast with Cody and Caleb. We have a monster size episode for you today. So we're actually going to split it into two different episodes. The first one here that you're tuned into is going to cover the NFL. There have been some major changes, lots of different hires. We've got the playoffs upcoming. So it's going to be just a huge episode. Caleb, let's dive in with a start on the biggest hire of the weekend or the week which was Jim Harbaugh inking a deal with the Los Angeles Chargers yeah it's the biggest hire and a really crazy coaching cycle it turned out to be I it's the right hire as well I I never was convinced he was staying at Michigan no matter who told me like oh you know people are trying to keep him there recruits are trying to keep him there it's like no he was always going to the NFL it's where he belongs and he has had success everywhere as a coach. I think this is the right call for him. And honestly, for every Herbert fan, this is exactly what you want to see. And ironically enough, what I think Harbaugh brings to the Chargers is more so a defense and a run game to help out than anything passing-wise. At Michigan, that was his calling card. We'll see what guys he looks to draft in this upcoming draft. But, you know, he, he doesn't have a shabby roster to start with. Uh, what are your expectations for year one, and what's your thoughts on the hire? So, a couple things to start. He is a winner. Uh, he had a 44-19-1 record in the NFL, his first stint, at, uh, coaching four years with the San Francisco 49ers, even led them to three conference championships and a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, he's an excellent coach. He's a proven commodity. He... We don't know his salary, but they did sign him to a five-year contract. Has a number of key players on this roster. I love what you brought up about him bolstering the defense in the run game. Jim Harbaugh is a coach who relies heavily on balance. So while he's great at developing quarterbacks, the balance is what he really brings to rosters. People have it twisted if they think that Justin Herbert is going to now be some MVP candidate. If anything, Mm -hmm. his stats will probably diminish but the team overall will look significantly better. And I think the Jim Harbaugh hire was great because when we dive into this roster, the only weaknesses on paper with this roster are exactly what Harbaugh hangs his hat on. They've got Mm -hmm. weaknesses, run blocking. They've got some issues with the right side. Their left side of their offensive line is strong, but the right side of their line is pretty weak, and it's a pass-protective heavy line. Their interior defensive line has a whole set of issues. And their cornerback play, aside from, like, Asante Samuel Jr. is okay and Derwin James is good, but their cornerback play could use some shoring up in the secondary. So he's really going to bring a lot to that. I think, at minimum, the expectation for this Chargers team and Harbaugh, with how put together they are, is a 10-win season. 10-win season. I think first season needs to be in that 10-win range, playoff berth. I don't think you have many expectations going in for what he does in the playoffs, but you need to see that steady increment. So if they won 10 games and got bounced in the first round, I think that's a successful first season for Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Do you think he takes uh, more of a GM role? Because they got rid of uh, Tom Telesco as well. 
their GM, the Chargers did. So do you think that he also hops into that role, like a sort of Bill Belichick for the first year? So Jim Harbaugh has been in the college ranks for a while now. And in the college ranks, the head coach is really responsible for being the general manager of the team. They mm-hmm. do a lot of recruiting and they really build the roster. And I think you're going to want to see a number of guys that do want to come play for Jim Harbaugh. So oh, yeah. that's an excellent first step. I don't know if I see him taking over GM duties, but I think his opinion is heavily influenced in that. Oh, yeah. That everything that happens over this first year or two, when you ink a guy to a five-year deal, you want his input. You don't want to come in as a new GM if they hire one and want to put your fingerprint on it. This needs to be his deal. His coaching career is on the line because if he comes in and stinks it up the first three years, people are going to be, their pitchforks are going to be out. You know, he needs to do something. And so you need to let him put his imprint on this roster. Yeah. And the AFC West is no slouch, man. They got the chiefs of course, and the Broncos are building something and the Raiders say, I mean, they were the surprise team uh, this year hiring Antonio Pierce. I think that's the next one we should talk about. I think Uh, that was the right call. Let's step back and still, I just want to name the key players. Have you ever seen a head coach come into a situation like this? You have Justin Herbert at quarterback, Keenan Allen, Joshua Palmer, Quentin Johnson, and Mike Williams as receivers. You have Gerald Everett at the tight end, Austin Eckler and Josh Kelly at running back on offense. And then on defense, you have Derwin James, Eric Kendricks, Khalil Mack, Asante Samuel Jr., and Joey Bosa. How built how do you go how do you only win five games with this roster? I I think that their team is for one very injury prone, especially on defense. I think that that's one of their biggest issues. And Brandon Staley, he never really knew how to like maximize his offense. And bringing in Kellen Moore, I thought was the correct move. But he kind of underwhelmed me his first year. He didn't give me as many concepts as I was looking for. Uh, I think the biggest issue with their offense is, is first of all, blocking. I don't think that their run game could ever get anything started. Eckler is kind of a glorified receiving back who I think gets a lot of props due to fantasy. Uh, but even this year, he wasn't nearly as efficient. And their receivers have no speed whatsoever. And I think Keenan Allen's a great possession guy. I think uh, Mike Williams is a great jump ball guy. But and but Quentin Johnston this year, I mean, he didn't do anything that really impressed me. He had multiple, multiple clutch time drop passes, not something you want to see from your first-round pick. I think this team needs a difference maker. That's why I had them taking a receiver in my mock draft in the top ten. I think they need somebody with some speed, some explosiveness. Uh, and as, lo- as far as the defense goes, I mean, on paper, yeah, they look like – I mean, they have some really good names, but, I mean, they're getting older and the uh, – the salary cap is becoming kind of an issue and they're going to, and the Herbert contract is going to kick in soon. So I'm interested to see how Harbaugh navigates it, but yeah, this team definitely talent wise is better than their record was last year. I love Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator, Boise state quarterback made it to the league too small, too undersized to really make a difference was a backup for a long time and now finds himself in the coaching role. Like I said, smart guy brilliant he's been a leader his whole life as a quarterback and it'll be interesting to see if he sticks around you know when new coaches coaches are hired they like to bring in their own staff 
I hope yeah. they retain Kellen Moore. I think he's a good coordinator, and I don't think he's ready to make a lead to a head coaching hire. So I don't know what would happen to him if Harbaugh brought in his own staff. But like you said, let's talk about the Raiders and the hiring mm-hmm. of Antonio Pierce, their former interim head coach who won, who went 5-4, and four, I believe, in their yeah. last nine games with what is not the most talented roster aside mm-hmm. from Devontae Adams. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Max Crosby. Let's not – that's yeah. who it is. Max Crosby. Animal. But, Max uh, yeah, I, fire. Th- this was the right hire. Uh, the Raiders' biggest issue, I'd say, before the second half of the season was culture. Uh, the the coach's name slipped in my mind. It's like Josh McDaniels, right? Josh is McDaniels name? is a terrorist. Yeah, yeah, Coming yeah. From that the man... Bill Belichick coaching tree, that man mm-hmm. ran the Broncos organization into the ra- ground. He's run the Raiders organization into the ground. Someone, when Andy Reid retires, Kansas City needs to hire him so he can take that franchise down too. Okay, yeah. No, I don't think he's ever getting another head coaching job in the NFL. I think he's his ship has sailed. I, he's He did not create the culture that the Raiders were looking for. And the Raiders have always had an issue when it comes to that. But Antonio Pierce, a player's coach, came in. He, like, rallied the guys. I know Max Crosby was a big, like, component of, like, keep him or I may walk. I remember seeing that in, like, the news. So it's like you lose your difference maker on defense. You get – I mean, you got to – you got to step up. And Antonio Pierce stepped up. I mean, he completely – changed the organization. They beat the Chiefs in the second half of the season, too, didn't they? I believe they, sure did. they did. They did. So, I mean, in hey, Kansas I mean, City. he's got some notable wins under his belt already, and I think that even if it's just for a culture hire, he. I mean, let me see the guys he gets around him, but I, I think that it was the correct hire for the Raiders. He's a major motivator. The only thing – it's tough for this Raiders. It was unavoidable, but they still have John Gruden – Josh McDaniels, and now you add Antonio Pierce's contract onto the books. You're paying yeah. three head coaches this season, which is difficult. That is a that's a tall order to ask a team that has a lot of holes to fill. They have a lot of money they need to spread around, and when you're you have that much dead salary, it's going to be yeah. difficult. We talked about the key players on this team. It doesn't even rival the Chargers team in what they have for key players. They have a lot more building. Uh, it is going to be very important for Antonio Pierce to bring in guys that fit the mold and the culture. He's shown that players want to play for him and perform for him, that he's excellent at building a cult- culture, but he hasn't shown us anything yet uh, at integrating players, bringing in new players. It's something that he's going to have to learn on the fly and prove as a new coach coming from a coordinator position. It's not something he's had in his responsibilities yet. Yeah, but I think that the ta- they do have some talent at skill positions, and they also, you know, you kill the draft, I mean, you, your whole season can change quickly. The Jets were terrible, and they had that draft a year ago where they, had, where they got sauce, and then they got, I mean, I'm forgetting the couple names, but defensively, man, they've been, they, they reload. So, you know, you, get, you draft the right guys. I mean, a lot's going to determine that, you know. Speaking of reload, the Chicago Bears have an excellent chance to reload this season. They hire offensive coordinator Shane Waldron, who was the former Seahawks offensive coordinator. Yeah. What, do you think of, what do you think of this hire? Uh, 
definitely different. You need to get somebody in. Do you think Shane Waldron is preparing to coach Caleb Williams, or is he looking at Justin Fields? Can he do the job? Well, until the draft, I mean, it would determine on – that's more of a GM's choice, I think. If you get the right deal, you keep Justin Fields, and you just trade down depending on the deal. But I think that if I was in charge and if I'm Shane Waldron, I want Caleb Williams. I want the potentially, like, generational top three quarterback. Uh, I think that I think that him revitalizing Geno Smith was a big component in this hire. And if they do decide to stick with Justin Fields, who I think has been underrated because of his talent, like I think that uh, because of the situation around him and what he's had to create, even just getting DJ Moore this year, giving him a confident receiver, he looked better this year than he has. And, uh, you know, the development's going to determine, like, how good of a coach Shane Waldron is. But I think that if I'm the Bears – you stick at one, you get Caleb Williams, you already put a talented guy into the system. He has a receiver. He has Cole Komet as well, who I think is pretty good to go after. I mean, I think this was a good uh, good hire considering his job he did with the Seahawks. Definitely. I think you said underrated with Justin Fields. I don't think he's underrated. I think he's over-scrutinized. Because okay, that's fair. Talent. You had a lot of reports coming out. He had a perfect score on the like quarterback written exam that comes out of the draft. Only a couple of quarterbacks have ever done that, and he did that. He was very highly touted as a prospect, went in the top ten of the draft. Great quarterback, and I think that what you saw near the end of this season was the team rallying around Justin Fields. I think the team wants to keep Justin Fields on board yeah. as opposed to bringing in and starting over with a new quarterback in Caleb Williams. So that'll be interesting to navigate. And like you said, revitalizing Geno Smith's career, maybe that's what they want to do with, uh, with Shane Waldron here and Justin Fields yeah. because revitalizing someone's career very rarely comes down to unlocking some sort of skill. The players mm-hmm. at this level – know their skill set it's about putting them in situations to be successful certain yeah. quarterbacks operate much better out of the gun some operate better under center three-step drops five-step drops triple option rpos so there's so many different styles and quarterbacks are more proficient in other styles and so i think that's where shane waldron excels is finding a good fit for the yeah. quarterback he has which hire would you like to discuss next? We've got like seven more. <laughs> uh, you know, I this is a more of a biased thing, but I wanted to talk about Vic Fangio leaving the Dolphins to go back to the Eagles, which I found very intriguing. And I don't know how many people are tuned in as I am with like the Dolphins beat and stuff like that. But apparently there was a lot of like celebration according to Dolphins defensive players who felt like they were – trapped within the Fangio scheme. Jalen Ramsey was one of those people like to tweet about being happy he was gone. Javon Holland seemed to be in his press conference interviews that he wasn't happy. And our second round pick, Cam Smith, who didn't see a second of field time besides special teams unit. Our second round pick, mind you, corner, uh, he didn't get a he didn't get a snap. Um, he he uh, posted on Twitter an unlocked emoji. Uh after Vic Fangio's announcement of leaving the team, I, I never thought he was totally bought into the Dolphins' like mindset 
and Mike McDaniel. Vic Fangio is one of those coaches that's so fundamental and so, uh, not to say hard-nosed, but I mean, he's a, he's more of a strict, it looks like, do your job sort of guy. Uh, I think he fits in better with the Eagles anyway. He's has experience with them. He was an analyst uh, before he came to um, the Dolphins for the Eagles. I think that this really is a great hire for uh, Sirianni for trying to keep his job, honestly. I think this was a must-hire. And uh, I think it's a better fit anyway. And, uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to bring that up because I was pretty shocked by the amount of uh, Dolphins defenders who were seemed to be very excited about uh, the, the concept of having another guy. I'm very glad you brought this up because I think this is the only coaching change I forgot to write down. Hmm. Uh, Vic Fangio, former Broncos head coach for yeah. a couple of seasons, and I believe he was a coordinator there as well for a season or two. I he is not a player's coach, but no. he is an excellent, excellent schematic and organizer. I think that it's going to fit in very well with this Philadelphia Eagles team. I think that they underwhelmed and they all want to buy into something and perform. I don't think they need a coach who's going to come in and pat them on the back and uplift guys. I think they need someone who's going to come in and tell them how it is and point them in the right direction. And so if the Dolphins were having this much irritation with having Vic Fangio as their coordinator, their defense. So I think it's a good move for both teams, letting Fangio go for the Dolphins. And I think he'll be a great fit with the Eagles. Uh, Eagles also need to hire a new OC as well. That offense horrendous this year. That was, I think, the biggest difference between last season's Super Bowl run and this season being bounced in the first round was the change in offensive coordinators. It If you watched a lot of Philly ball and if you followed Philly Twitter like I do, their coordinator was a terrorist. And Brian they Johnson, running, yeah. They, I don't Brian know how Johnson he's even getting interviews. And Brian Johnson was running quarterback draws on third and 12 and bubble screen. He ran 15 bubble screens and 12 the draws. The Bill O'Brien special, yeah. It was, it was rough. So I think a double coordinator change it would be great. And even though I would have been on board for ditching Nick Sirianni, I'm not totally against holding on to him. Yeah. I think he has potential. He led the team. He helped lead the team to a Super Bowl last year. I think he has the personality that aligns with the city as long as they're winning. When you lose, it gets corny and players and fans and players don't like him. But when he is winning, that city's fully bought into what he is. So Yeah, for sure. Let's go with the Tennessee Titans hiring mm-hmm. Brian Callahan, former Bengals offensive coordinator. Now, Brian Callahan had the pleasure of coaching Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase when healthy – and yeah. leading this offense, I believe Callahan was all, was still the coordinator or had already become the coordinator when he led the Bengals to the Super Bowl, when Joe Burrow did. He's been around that organization for a little while and has implemented, implemented a very good offense, which may slightly be scared, carried by the great skill position players there, but it's still a very competent offensive style, and this Titans team has a long way to go to rebuild. Looks like Derrick Henry may be on the way out, and there's a lot to do. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's it's not going to be an easy feat for him coming into this situation. Uh, it's a completely new um, change that the Titans are looking for. I disagreed with the firing of uh, Vrabel in the first place. I feel like he's too good of a coach that sometimes you just take the bumps and the bruises and you trust the guy to keep your team afloat. But obviously they're looking for a new start. I think even getting rid of Derrick Henry, your franchise like Cornerstone over the past couple years, um, Tannehill's on his way out, I'm sure. This is the Will Levis time, and Brian Callahan's job is to get in there and develop Will Levis. And he has a receiver in D-Hop. But other than that, I mean, who do you have? Traylon Burks? Uh, I mean, not, not a lot of weapons to work with here, you know? What'd you say? I said, we'll line Will Levis's jar of mayo up at the slot receiver. Yeah, I mean, not much to build on for this offense. The trading of A.J. Brown, looking back on it, was just an awful, awful trade. They didn't get nearly as much back as they gave up in return. I mean, this was kind of a disagreement between Vrabel and the front office that led to this firing. But I think Brian Callahan's a confident guy to go in there. I mean, not every hire is going to work out, but I'm fairly confident in this one. I think that uh, he'll be able to at least get Will Levis the ability to get the ball out pretty quickly. I mean, that seemed to be Joe Burrow's calling card was getting the ball out quickly to receivers in space. Now, how well the receivers do out in space, that's the question, how open they get. But, I mean, that's up to – in a very deep wide receiver class, this is the the year you'd want to get a – a weapon. So I think that the future is bright for the Titans, but it's going to be a rough couple of years, especially in such a stacked, great division coming up. I think that Joe Burrell's quick drop play style is strictly due to the complete lack of an offensive line. They are yeah. fielding five second stringers as starters, and he is getting crushed out there. I think this is going to be a super slow rebuild in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I hope that Brian Callahan isn't prosecuted for what mm-hmm. happens because I think you need to temper your expectations. This Titans team could be a two- or a three-win team next season, in my opinion. Yeah, They don't have the roster or the infrastructure. They're not going to have much luck signing free agents. There are not a lot of players that just want to go to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. It's not a popular destination like you'd find in an L.A. or a New York or a Miami. Yeah. It, so I think this is a rebuild that has to be done through the draft. It has to be built brick by brick, and it's going to take four, five, six, seven years to really implement and go through a full-scale rebuild to get this team to where they can compete and get to a division or a conference championship. So Yeah, and I they should really, embrace that too. They should. They should. Uh, yeah. I hope Callahan isn't prosecuted after four losing seasons for being unsuccessful <laughs> because this is going to be a slow turnaround. I'd hate to see him build something competent and be fired right before it gets good. Yeah. You can see that, that happen a lot. Yeah, you, you could see it, especially in a division like that. I mean, the Jaguars, the Texans, and the Colts all have their guys at quarterback and all have uh, competent, at least, position groups around them. I mean, Will Levis, I'm still not positive he's the guy. They don't have a franchise running back now. Their best receivers in their 30s. It's just – it's looking grim right now. But, I mean, the, that this is part of the NFL, man. You have to be bad to be good. So. So we have about four or five new co- – more coaches. Who would you like to do next? 
Uh, let's do um, the new Panthers coach. Okay, perfect. Uh, that is the Panthers' new head coach hired just a few hours ago was former Buccaneers offensive coordinator Dave Canales, mm-hmm. who has done an absolutely great job with Baker Mayfield this year and schematically getting that offense going now. The Buccaneers' offense is much, 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 much more talented than this Panthers team is. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Otten, and a plethora of running backs that can split carries. They have a great offensive line that lured Tom Brady to Tampa Bay where he won a Super Bowl that's still pretty much fully intact. Yeah. So leaving a situation, I'm a little shocked that he chose to leave that situation in Tampa Bay. I know it's awful enticing to have that head coach title dangled in front of your face, but to have to deal with David Tepper, and the rebuild that's going to be entailed with this Panthers organization. You have a quarterback who in his second year is under a tremendous amount of pressure because of what CJ Stroud has been able to come in and do in his first season and a team that has nothing else. You have a quarterback under a lot of pressure and no help. So this is going to be, this is going to be tough, and I'm shocked that he was willing to take on the task. Uh, yeah, I mean, any any good coach can do – like, can create with as little as possible. But, I mean, this is a very, very, very tough hire to take advantage of. But I will say I've not given up on Bryce Young. The, the kid's talent is, like, so immense that genuinely I could see it being appealing to somebody who is like, oh, I've seen his tape. I can get in there and I can sing the rock. The issue is who's he going to throw it to Adam Thielen as productive as he was this year. It was more of a, somebody's got to catch these passes sort of productive than it was that you're a star receiver. Let's see what we can do with you. Jonathan Mingo, who they selected in the second round, didn't really break out as much as you think he would. Uh, Tommy Tremble at tight end, not a difference maker. A Conwu, the left tackle they took two drafts ago, completely regret this year was getting absolutely cooked off the line uh Bryce Young had no time to throw he had some really really rough looking rookie moments which was tough to have in this in this year when CJ Stroud was out doing whatever only throwing like five picks in the entire season Bryce Young just had more rookie moments than uh than players that we've been seeing recently be drafted but I I think this is a good hire just based on what he did with the Buccaneers I mean Going 9-8 and eight is not exactly something that's super groundbreaking, but they completely shredded an Eagles defense. They should have shredded, you know? Every single team they should shred, he shredded. And that's exactly what you're looking for in an offensive coordinator who has talent and obviously knows how to get the ball to his guys. Mike Evans, I scoffed at you when you said he's going to get 150 yards in this game. He had 147. I mean, he, he knows how to get his playmakers the ball. Um Hopefully, he can do something with Miles Sanders, who was just atrocious this year. I mean, awful. Like, from somebody who was a productive running back in in, uh, in uh, Philadelphia to come over here and just do nothing. I mean, I know it's an offensive line issue. I'd say number one priority in this draft, O-line, get an offensive line, protect Bryce Young so he has some time to throw and a weapon. And then you got to build that defense up. 
I think they have some good young defensive pieces. I think Brian Burns is a beast. I think Derek Brown is very, very good at the top five D tackle. And J.C. Horn, when he's healthy, is a great corner. It's just an issue of filling in the gaps and these, like, little intermediate places. And, I mean, I hate to be that guy, but, like, since 2015, what, where, where have they improved? They haven't done anything to build off or capitalize off that run. I mean, that year with Cam Newton, I hate to be that guy. I know that it's a fickle thing, the NFL. Like, you take your advantages, and then it's really hard to get back. But, man, it, it's what a fall from grace. But, I mean, I like the future. I, if you can build around it and start fresh, I, you know, I, I think it'll work out. But Tepper, man, that's got to be tough. I, I don't like the future. You mm. don't have your number one overall pick this season, which yeah, huge blow. You have so many holes to fill on this team and less picks to do it. I'll be really interested to see where Canales goes in the draft, where he decides to start the rebuild of this team because of how many yeah, holes there too. are. Like I say, I'm an offensive line guy. I know how important the trenches are, and that's where games are won and lost at their core is in the trenches. And so, personally, I would start there with the line on both sides of the football and shoring it up. But it'll be interesting with his style. He's used to having weapons. He's used to having players who can go out and be difference makers. So, it'll be really important to see which direction he goes in. Do you know off the top of your head if they have a first-round pick and then they just don't have the number one pick? I, or I, don't, think, I don't think they do. I think um, I think that they gave it up. I think they thought Bryce Young was going to be what C.J. Stroud was this year. But that being said, don't give up on Bryce Young. That dude is too talented. I know he's undersized, but he can lead your team to some wins. This year, he just had no one to throw it to and no one to protect him. I think that this year will be a bit better when he gets some guys. And I think they will overpay for someone in free agency to bring in, like a T. Higgins. For If you, um, if you notice through my whole rant, or not rant, I didn't go on very long, but all of my skepticism and anything, the only thing I mentioned about Bryce Young was the immense amount of pressure. I never yeah. doubted his skill level because this is such a horrible team. I think, if threw, team. I think if you threw C.J. Stroud on this team this season instead of Bryce Young, I think he does better than Bryce Young did, but not much. But it, yeah, no. He's not, he's not Offensive Rookie of the Year over Puka if he's starting on this Kansas team. I'll say that much. No. And that's just a major, major situation. We have – let me comb through my notes. I think we have two hires left to go over. Okay. Or three. We have three. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the Bengals promoting Dan Pitcher from quarterback coach to offensive coordinator. I think this is this is a major move. You have a great young quarterback in Joe Burrow, and to keep someone that Burrow's familiar with in your offensive system is huge. I don't think there's going to be any changes to this offense. I think it's going to be a seamless step off. And they're going to be able to work in. Hopefully they do something to rebuild this line in the draft. But as far as schematics, moving the ball around, the only drop-off we're going to see is because of the most likely departure of T. Higgins and losing a, a major threat option there out on, out on your wide receiver group. But I think he's going to come out and do a seamless job. 
Yeah, I, I have no issue with the hire. I don't really have too many opinions on it, but you know it's somebody Burrow chose, which is the biggest deal in that organization. You build around your franchise guy and what he's the most comfortable with. I, I think it was Burrow's call, and, I mean, I'm interested to see how it works out. It was a very quick turnaround. I think I saw the or the Titans hire Callahan, and within the hour, I feel like I saw the reported pitcher being promoted. So it was a very yeah. quick decision. Which means the the team was confident. They knew that they may re- lose Callahan, and they had their replacement ready to go. And no interview needed. They were they were ready, which tells me they're confident. Which is all I need to know. Yeah, we have one coordinator and one head coach. Let's talk about the new hire for the Atlanta Falcons defensive coordinator, yeah. Raheem Morris. Uh, I mean, I, I think, first of all, it's a great hire. I genuinely think that he did wonders with this Rams defense, which, I mean, I could not name a corner of. Like, genuinely, I did not know who was at cornerback starting the year for these guys. And on defensive line, besides Aaron Donald, like, it was a bunch of nobodies. And he took this team all the way to the playoffs, man. And I know it was more built upon the backs of the offense, but, I mean, this defense didn't was no slouch, you know. But I, I think the real story here is how is this not Bill Belichick? Not, he went that in is for, the real story. He went in for two interviews with his um, reputation. And even though I agree with the hire, I think that I think that he's young and a very talented defensive coordinator. I don't see how you don't take Bill Belichick. That's just me personally. Um, for, for how young Raheem Morris is, he's been in the league for a while. He's been around this yeah. game. He has – taken his lumps he's been around he's done what he's been there to do but on the Belichick front we're looking at three coaches with distinguished backgrounds in Mike Vrabel Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll that find themselves without two teams and there are only two teams with head coaching vacancies left in the Mm -hmm. Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Commanders Mm -hmm. Pete Carroll his only options, the commanders, because the Seahawks let him go, which, and if you're me, Vrabel and Belichick were my two top candidates. Me too. Yeah. Well, Harbaugh, Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh was a lock for me with the chargers through and through. So I didn't really take him into account anywhere, but LA, maybe the Falcons, because I would have liked to see him bring in JJ McCarthy to the Falcons. I think he would have been the perfect (laughs) game manager to lead this Falcons team with all those weapons. That's but true. I think the Falcons have really built up a young offensive core. So to bring in a defensive coordinator to come and lead this team, I think sure is up the gaps. You get a competent offensive coordinator who can put these skill position guys to use and it'll be a great fit. You have a coach working on the low point of this team. We have a coordinator helping those guys excel who can put more time and more work in without focusing on the whole team. So I really like the hire from a schematic standpoint. Yeah. Uh, my my <laughs> take on this is what's Bill Belichick's next move? I, I don't see him as a commander's coach, possibly the Seahawks, but do you think there's a possibility he takes a coordinator job somewhere? There's no possibility he takes a coordinator job because the only reason he wants to continue to coach, in my opinion, is to break the record for most wins. Mm. Yeah. And he's, I believe, 12 or 14 wins away. From Shula. With, yep. With either one of these. The Seahawks could probably get it done in two years. 
I have a hard time envisioning him at 72 years old moving completely across the country to Seattle. Yeah. But I also don't see him. I feel like Frable is a prime, prime guy for Seattle. I think that would be a match made in heaven. I think he'd be great in Seattle, but could we see Bill Belichick take this commander's position because it's the only one available and he wants this record so bad? It'd probably I, take I could him see three it. Or, I could, it could probably take him three or four years to get those 14 wins with this commander's team. They do have some weapons. Terry McLaurin's a beast, and mm-hmm. they've got a high draft pick at, at number two with the potential to take a Drake May, probably just Drake May. Caleb Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Caleb Williams be, is probably is. going. To, Caleb Williams is going number one. Let me just say and Drake that. Drake May is that's, going too. Whether the top it's the two. Bears or not, Drake May is going number one. Or, I mean, Caleb, Caleb Williams. Williams going number one. Drake whether, May number two. Whoever makes I it. I don't think it's a debate. So, this is tough. And I think Pete Carroll kind of steps into an advisory role with the Seahawks. They left yeah. that option on the table for him. While he wanted to go out and be a head coach, there's just no options left. And I think what we saw through this hiring cycle was the unwillingness to hire a Bill Belichick or a Pete Carroll who are already in their 70s for what would be a short-term rental. Yeah. Bill Belichick would have been a short-term rental, which is why I think you saw teams like the Eagles and the Cowboys stick with their head coaches because they Mm -hmm. didn't want to come in, have Bill Belichick – lead them to one 14-15 win season and then peace out Yeah, because they want to build something. They believe they're perennial contenders and they don't want all in for one season. They think they're <laughs> building a, a dynasty. Both teams, Cowboys and the Eagles, kind of feel like they're building a core. So Yeah. The last hire – let me find it, was Jacksonville hiring defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen, former Falcons defensive coordinator. So we just talked about that Falcons position uh, being filled. Interesting. Yeah, the Falcons building with Raheem Morris and now the Falcons' former defensive coordinator, which the Falcons really struggled on defense this year. Yeah. They lost a very weak division that did not have – any team that really wanted to pull away and win this thing. It was really a, a three-legged race between Tampa Bay and the Saints and them. And this was just, I don't know, I can't really get behind this, this job, this Jacksonville team. I know they hang their hat on their offense right now. They have an excellent star defender in Josh Allen at linebacker. Mm-hmm. This one didn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I, you know, I don't really get it either. I, I don't know exactly the goal. Maybe he had connections with the players. You never really know these, like, player connections until you see it on the field. But, I mean, with such young guys in the Jacksonville defense with, like, Trayvon Walker, who was their number one overall pick, I mean, you're, you're trying to build up a, a group of guys. I mean, I don't see really what he has shown to make you believe that he can do that, but – I mean, it's up to Jacksonville to prove us otherwise, you know. So we'll see. I, I wasn't fully impressed. I think, some so. guys just, I think some guys just interview really well. And I think yeah. what happened is he just wowed them in the interview. We've mm-hmm. seen it happen. And I think he really just brought that wow factor. And that's all yeah. it really was. 
let's move in. I think that concludes our coaching, and let's talk about what's really important here, and that's the teams that are still alive in our NFL playoffs. We've got four teams left, major games coming up this weekend. Ravens, Chiefs, Niners, Lions. Let's Before we get into spreads, picks, let's talk about some key takeaways from the games, what you think is going to be keys to victory, how this is going to shake out. Let's start with the Ravens and Chiefs game. Uh, keys to victory for the Ravens is stop Pacheco. Don't let Pacheco get going. If Pacheco gets going, that opens up the play action. That opens up Kelsey getting open, finding his drifts. If you stop Pacheco, leave them to second and nines, third and sevens, you're looking much better, especially going against such a high-powered offensive machine in Patrick Mahomes. Um, keys for the Chiefs, I would say, is limit explosive plays by the Ravens. Don't let them get 15 yards down the field each play. Uh, Lamar has this way of dancing around in the pocket and not throwing necessarily the home run moon ball 70, 80 yards for a touchdown, but slowly picking his way 20 yards. He'll go five yards, six yards on the ground. I mean, it's it's a way of, like, you know, keeping the defenses in check, but, you know, also opening up the possibility for whatever run he wants to do. I mean, and for the Chiefs, you're just basically hoping uh, to contain Lamar and hope that your receivers can catch the ball, man. I know that's a lame key to victory, but, I mean, it's probably the biggest thing that you have to worry about on the offensive end with the Chiefs. I think that's big. So I think definitely keys to victory for the Ravens, stack the box. Yeah. Seven, eight down the box at all times. Really sell out on the run. I want Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball 50 times. Yeah. These receivers, aside from Kelsey and Rashi Rice, just like I said last week, are not good enough. This team Mm -hmm. has a glaring weakness that can be helped because Patrick Mahomes is great and they will make plays. They will score some points. It might not be what they're used to as a Chiefs offense because this race is incredible, but they're going to make plays. And so you can't let them – move the ball with with Pacheco out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. Back the box if they hit a big play or two. If the Chiefs have seven points, but it's an 80-yard touchdown in the first half, you did your job. Yeah, I agree. So for me, the Chiefs' key to victory is going to be taking Lamar Jackson out of the run game. The Weather for this forecast is supposed to be 70, it is a 70% chance of rain. Mm. 48 degrees. It's supposed to be a gloomy game. It's supposed to be yeah. overcast the whole time. Lots of rains. Lamar Jackson, while he can make the right decisions in the right plays, is his weakness is more his passing game than his run game. He's incredibly dangerous when he gets out of the pocket to run the football, to make plays, to get four or five yards. A lot of times when we see Patrick Mahomes get out of the pocket, we see chunk plays. We see 40, 50, 60-yard plays. When Lamar gets out of the pocket, he is consistently getting seven to ten yards. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to maintain the edge as rushers and contain him in the pocket. While we're on the Chiefs game, let's, let's hear your winner. We've got Ravens Chiefs. They Ravens are a minus three and a half according to DraftKings, and yeah. the over is listed at forty four and a half. Who do you have 
winning this football game? I have the Ravens winning this game, and I think they cover as well. I think their team is just way too complete. Uh, I think that the Chiefs, not to say they got lucky last week against the Bills, but I think they were very evenly matched. And I think even if the Bills were in this game, I'm picking the Ravens pretty uh, comfortably. I think that the uh, over-under, I'll take the under on this because just, you know, you mentioned the conditions of the game. And uh, in general, I trust these defenses more than I trust their offenses. Uh, I think that uh, there will be some scoring and the game will be relatively close just because Mahomes is Mahomes and I don't see him getting blown out in this game. Uh, I think Baltimore wins 24-17, but I think everyone can tell by the way the game goes that Baltimore had control of it. So I have this more along the lines of a 31-10 for Baltimore. Mm. I think that Baltimore's defense shows why they're Baltimore's defense. They've handled the Cowboys. They've handled the Niners. They have handled every major offense that has come across their plate. And I think Patrick Mahomes is just the next one on the board. Okay. Playoff Patrick Mahomes is legit. So I could be very wrong. But that's what I think is going to happen. I think this Ravens defense is special. And they're going to be feeling their inner Ray Lewis. And they're going to come out and have some pride being in Baltimore. Like I said already, the conditions of this game are ugly. I think the running game is going to play a huge part in this game for both teams. And I don't think that the Chiefs have a fast enough defense to keep up with Lamar. I think schematically they have a very good scheme, but there's only so much your scheme can do when you're playing someone who's elite. Yeah. No, I agree. I I do think Baltimore wins this. And if they win by more, I wouldn't be shocked. But I just wanted to give Mahomes the benefit of the doubt because he is Patrick Mahomes, you know. Oh, yeah. So, to recap, Caleb takes Ravens, the points, or takes Ravens, the over, and the under. No, the under. On the, uh, you take yeah. the under on the point spread, but Ravens on uh, – Covering the spread, yeah. Covering the spread. Uh, and I took the same. I just believe yeah. it'll be a little bit more in hand. Let's not do prop bets yet. Let's talk about Niners Lions mm-hmm. and how we feel this is going to go. Keys to victory for each team. Uh, I think the key to victory for the Niners is is just overwhelm the Lions in the trenches. Their defensive line will probably maul the Lions' battered offensive line. You want to make sure that they can't get anything on the run game going. And just use your superior defensive talent to overwhelm the young Lions, like, skill position players. I think that's the key to victory is just play your defensive scheme that's been working and prevent – and don't give Jared Goff time in the pocket. Just don't let him have time. That's when he excels. If he has more than two seconds to throw, then you're doing yourself a disservice. And considering what they did at the trade deadline going to get Chase Young, this is where he needs to show up. This is why you make that trade is for this game right here and making Jared Goff feel uncomfortable. Uh, Key to victory for the Lions, I'd say, is create explosives any way possible. Get tricky. Do whatever it takes to get the ball down the field, whether that be maximizing field position on on, uh, kick returns, like like putting back Gibbs on punt returns or something in that regard, just get a little crazy with it. I would say, cause the, 
the offense of the 49ers will score this game, I think. But, I mean, you're going to want to limit Brock Purdy's time to throw as well. But, man, you just look at the trenches of this game. It, it gets really, really rough for the Lions. So I like what the Lions have done on defense with their run defense. I don't think they have as big of a problem in the trenches as you do. For me, the Lions' key to victory is they have given up five 140-plus yard receivers in each of their last five games. Justin Jefferson went for 141 and, like, 197. CeeDee Lamb had, like, 247. He gave up the 187 to Puka and the 147 to Mike Evans last week. Mm -hmm. You're looking at a banged-up Debo Samuel who is questionable to play. So if Debo misses this game and you can just focus on Ayuk and, gosh, his name just slipped my head. I feel so bad. He's an Iowa tight end. And Kittle? Sure, Kittle. If you can limit <laughs> Kittle, if you can limit Kittle and Ayuk and keep them under 80 receiving yards each, yeah, I think that gives your team the best chance to win. McCaffrey's going to get his. Mm -hmm. And so you need to limit the passing game. And if I'm the Niners, your keys to victory, I'm not a certified Brock Purdy hater like you are. And I think Brock Purdy struggled last week due to the rain. Slippery ball. I think he has what it takes. And if I'm the Niners, my key to victory is airing this thing out. Completely oh, wow. Keys okay. to victory. I think if he lets it fly all over the field, slants, deep outs, post patterns, check downs, throw the ball 35 times. In the in the first half, I want him throwing it 25-plus times in the first half. Yeah. Get a lead, run the football afterwards. I think, okay. you need to, I think you need to crush this Lions team early because they're gritty and they're, they're dogs. They're coached by Dan Campbell. They have a lot of heart, and so you need to extinguish that as early as possible. Don't let them hang mm -hmm. around. So we've got minus seven on DraftKings for the Niners. I've seen some seven and a halfs, and I've seen some six and a halfs. But DraftKings has them at a minus seven with the over-under at 51. How do you feel? Uh, I'm picking the 49ers to win this game, but I do think the Lions cover this game. I think that it'll, get, it'll be one of those games that's a lot uglier than people anticipate. And I think the pace of play will be very – like I think the game will go by very, very fast. I think it'll be a lot of running by the 49ers. I, I completely disagree with you on the Purdy thing. or, And I also just don't think that they'll trust Purdy to air it out as much as you're saying they should. Um, I think it'll be under 51, and I got the 49ers winning 20 to 16. Okay. I think the Niners cover. I think this game starts out as a track meet. I think the first quarter to first half is going to be 14, 10, 21, 17, something very close. But I think as this game wear, continues and wears on, the Niners inch away. Field goal by touchdown, they're getting seven. Lions are getting three. They're getting three. Lions are getting zero. And by the end of it, we're going to see this game at a 13 to a 17-point margin where the mm. Niners just continually pulled away little by little. That's fair, yeah. I think it's going to be a back-breaking and demoralizing loss for the Lions as they, 
you're trying your hardest, you're getting something, but it's not ever quite enough. And I think I'll still take the under. I think yeah. both teams have enough pride. And even though I like the conditions for an offensive battle, I I think there's going to be way too much pride at stake, and they're both going to mm-hmm. try their hardest on defense. So that yeah. – Mm-hmm. That kind of covers thoughts on the games. Any any major prop bets for us? I wrote down DraftKings numbers. If you would like to hear a specific players over under for their totals, I probably have it written down. Mm-hmm. No, I, I got some written down. I, I've got Kelsey anytime touchdown as my uh, as my uh, Ravens Chiefs pick, and I also got Mahomes over on his passing yards. I just think that he'll throw the ball a ton in this game. I think that the Ravens are really going to stop Pacheco, and I think that's going to contribute to a lot of passing. So that's those are my two takes on the yeah, – I think the Ravens are too talented for me to trust to bet anybody because anybody could score. Yeah, I legitimately believe true. that. I had the same thought with you. I think Mahomes has to air it out 42 to 50 times this game. His mm-hmm. over-under on – or his passing yards total is at 242.5. Mm. I think that's insanely low. Yeah, me too. I think he pushes 350. Maybe, yeah, around that. Around that. I mean, I know the conditions are bad, but he's still going to air it out. And as long as his receivers are catching the football, I don't. I don't really like any any time touchdown scores this game. Mm. Uh, I like Justice Hill's under on his rushing yards. They have him at 33 and a half. I like Justice mm. Hill to be under. I think if they're running the football, it's going to be with Lamar. And yeah. Justice Hill is not going to get the touches. This is a. I super... will say though, I did bet Justice Hill under on his yards earlier in the season, and it completely burned me. So I just want to let he, you know that right now. He said Don't it was do part it. of a five leg. Yeah, he I'm might, not trusting that again. He might go under 15 times out of 16, but the ones when you pick. The him, one time he did, you know, lost me money. So it's like the PJ Tucker betting under on the three pointers. Yeah, it's always exactly. a half, and the one time you bet it, he hits five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for the Niners Lions game, I have Sam Laporta anytime touchdown score. I have Amon Ross St. Brown over his 84 and a half receiving yards. I have Brandon Ayuk over his 80 and a half receiving yards. I actually have Brandon Ayuk 200 plus yards if Debo Samuel Whoa. doesn't go. Whoa. If Debo Samuel doesn't go, I have Brandon Ayuk. Over 200 receiving yards. Hey, that is, that's a lot. <laughs> You're not going to like my bets then. I got Purdy under his passing yards. I don't think <laughs> they'll air it out that much. His passing yards are at 276 and a half, if anyone's wondering. So, yeah, I, I, I don't – like, and it's not like – like, I know that I'm a Brock Purdy hater, but I just genuinely don't think that's going to be their game plan this, this, uh, this week. I mean, I think that Kittle will get his – but I wouldn't take anybody's over, really. Uh, I've got Amon Ra under 84.5. I think that they're going to take – because Amon Ra loves to hit the middle of the field. I think Fred Warner and Drake Rainlaw are going to completely lock up that part of the field so that Jared Goff is going to have to hit him on the perimeter, which isn't exactly where, uh, where uh, Amon Ra is comfortable. So I could see this being a big um, a Laporta game underneath and quick outs. Uh, maybe even some Jameson Williams curls, um, intermediate curls. But I think that they uh, lock in on every intermediate Amon Ra uh, route. I think the the Lions do an excellent job of the option routes as receivers. 
they put themselves in basketball terms to be in a triple threat position where you break mm-hmm. down your defender in man-to-man coverage and you can hit him with the out, you can hit him with the in, the slant, or you can hit him with the deep ball. Hit him with the hezzy, hezzy tween cross. Exactly. Step back. It puts them in a great position every time. I saw Jameer Gibbs do it on tape six or seven times coming out of the backfield, and he does. He breaks down, chops his feet, goes the exact opposite direction of the defender every time. He is yeah. He's crossing dudes and catching wide-open passes and creating after the catch. And dude, as he's so good, dude. As talented as these Niners linebackers are, that's an incredibly difficult route combination to cover. And I like it. I like it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think that's about it. That wraps up the first half and our NFL segment of episode eight. Join us all here in a few minutes. My TV just turned off, so I have a blue face. And (laughs) we will see you on part two for our NBA highlights. All right. Peace out.